When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. The New York Islanders so close to advancing. They lead the Penguins 5-3 with three minutes left in the third. They're also on a power play for another couple of minutes after a double minor. So the Islanders looking to move on. 5-3, 2.40 to go. The Lightning, early in the second period, lead the Panthers 1-0. A Tampa Bay victory gives them the series in six. A Florida victory forces game seven. Pat Maroon, the only goal in that game. Just about to face off, it's the Golden Knights and the Wild. Minnesota home for that game. Golden Knights have a 3-2 series lead. Blue Jays postponed today against the Yankees. Doubleheader coming up tomorrow american hockey league playoffs bakersfield that's the oilers farm team taking on the henderson silver knights in an hour game one of best of three the pacific division final nba playoffs philadelphia with a one nothing series lead on the wizards and they're looking good in game two early in the fourth of 98 81 early in the third atlanta leading the knicks 57 49 atlanta also up one nothing in the series and uh, this is now the feat, the Inside Sports featured series. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy and I briefly discussing team nicknames. Mm. The Memphis, formerly Vancouver Grizzlies, against the Utah, formerly New Orleans Jazz. Can you feel the excitement, Kellen? I feel like that the moment we just had where neither one of us could speak was an indication of our excitement. We were too excited to speak about that series. Oh, inside, you know, our, our thoughts and everything are just going absolute banana right now. So, In, Inside our thoughts, it's going bananas. Yep. That's pretty good. That's deep, man. That is deep. You should get that on a T-shirt. Inside our thoughts, we are going bananas. <laughs> oh, I love you, buddy. Yeah, we gotta get the slog going again here. Sylvan Lake Alliance. Didn't we have a a caller from Sylvan Lake a few days ago? Maybe I I know you didn't work the games on the weekend. I think Mm. we had somebody from Sylvan Lake on the line. I was quite excited. I didn't ask if they follow the uh, the Sylvan Lake Alliance of Wrestling, though. But uh, we're very proud to have that, and we'll keep it going. Golf, but did did Thomas say it's going to be twenty nine next week? Yeah, I heard twenty seven. To, I don't know if Thomas is, can hear us. Thomas, jump in if if we if uh, if you hear us chattering and mention your name. Did he say twenty nine on Tuesday? Plus twenty nine. I hope. I mean, it is going to be June first. Yes. <laughs> Although we had snow like a week ago. But... Yeah, we we just recently had snow. Yeah, I'm just checking the forecast on my phone. Twenty one tomorrow. Not bad. A little rainy on Friday. Twenty three. 23 Sunday, 27 Monday, 29 on Tuesday. Going to have to get out there and golf. Cam Moon, by the way, is excited for the Sylvan Lake Alliance of Wrestling. Good. <laughs> we'll have uh, Mooner, let me know if you want to come on the show before the end of the week, too. You're going to be uh, even on even more than when you worked in Red Deer, now that we got you doing Oilers games and helping out on 630 Shed. Mm-hmm. Mooner did some great stuff. Of course, he did, uh, he, did the, he did more games than Jack on the radio. Jack did the regional TV. So Jack was on Sportsnet and on Ched sometimes. Uh, Cam was on uh, Ched when Jack wasn't calling the games. 
And then in the playoffs, uh, Jack was doing the games. So Cam did a, a feature on our face-off show called Mooner and Friends, which was outstanding. He, he talked to, I don't know if you worked that day or not, Kellen. He, but he talked to Rhett Warner. Yes, I was here for about that. About the rats. Yeah. <laughs> yes. About the rats in Florida. Was in awesome. I, I, I know most people probably know the story, but it's neat to get the perspectives from different players. And Warner, I, th- I think, was a rookie that year. He was pretty, I think he was only 19 or 20. And mm-hmm. Scott Mellenby slaps the rat before a game, kills it, scores in the game. And then the fans start throwing plastic rats on the ice and they go all the way to the Stanley Cup final. The Islanders have uh, finished them off. Yep, handshake time. 5 3 over the Penguins. So McDavid out. Crosby out, Malkin out, Dreisaitl out, four of the, what, top 10 players you'd say in the league probably uh, are not moving on. And I actually, we did not, on Oilers now with Bob Stoffer, we did our first round selections. And usually Bob wants everybody to give their first round selections and then pick the conference winners. Well, we didn't do that this year. So I don't know if Bob just forgot or uh, just didn't want to do it or but but the board did were because there aren't any conferences but i was going to pick the islanders to win the stanley cup seriously so i'll, I'll put that on the record now the islanders are my stanley cup pick and so I, I picked them to win the penguins so i'm not like now just jumping on the bandwagon because i thought weird year who did well last year and couldn't quite get over the hump islanders they went all the way to the east final were pesky against the lightning they got a good coach they got a good manager they have a well-rounded roster so i thought Oh, pick the Islanders. Why not? So they beat the Penguins. So one down for me. Now, again, my predictions are usually disasters. So we'll see how that moves along. Hey, he joins us every week here on Inside Sports during the hockey season. He is powered by Sentinel Storage. Shop Canadian, store Canadian. Try four weeks free. Visit sentinelstorage.ca. Former NHL goaltender, now broadcaster. It's Kelly Rudy. Kelly, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Reading yourself. Well, I'm doing okay. To be honest with you, I was hoping that you wouldn't be on tonight because I was hoping there would be game five and not inside sports. And you and I would do this another night this week, but the Oilers couldn't win a game. So let's, let's break that down a little bit. And look, Kelly, I think we got to start with game three because the one thing I've been saying, it was in the bag. Oh, it wasn't. It was almost in the bag. And then it it jumped out of the bag. Uh, Tough to watch. It happened four years ago. What did you see? How does that happen when a team can lose control so quickly? Well, and I've been there, so uh, it's hard to explain. And and I can tell you, uh, this is probably a feeling that they had going into the dressing room. Uh, you sit down and you're like, and and uh, seriously, this is kind of what goes through your mind. What just happened? And you you can't process it. You can't figure it out. And you can't believe it happened so quickly. I, I had this conversation with PJ Stock many years ago on Hockey Night because we've all been in that situation. You're like, man, we're in great shape. Then what? Three minutes and eight seconds later, you're you're tied, and you, you, it's total disbelief. You you're trying to figure it out. You're trying to figure out how the first goal even happens, and then next thing you know, two more are in, and it's a tie game. Uh, and just from my perspective, uh, I did see or did feel though that. The Jets were coming on late in the second period. I, I, I had a little inkling, which wouldn't surprise anybody, right? There's different pushes throughout a game, but uh, I certainly didn't expect that. I thought the Oilers had played extremely well for so long in that game, and then to be in that situation, although I thought they recovered nicely, um, you know, 
in in overtime. In fact, I thought in overtime they had the better chances early on. But that's just how the game goes, right? Does what what was in your mind the impact of the Archibald penalty? I mean, not just that he took a penalty, but the type of penalty that he took that was clearly unnecessary. Would that have lifted the Jets' spirits a little bit? Because they seem to be really hyped up once they got that goal on that power play. Well. Yeah, I hesitate because there's a lot in that question and that statement. And so, yes, just, you know, there's enthusiasm because you get a power play, but it's not immediately directed towards uh, that player, right, Archibald? It's, you know, here's our chance. Now, all of a sudden, when you look back and you look at the entire picture, yes, that had a bitter, a, a bigger play than we thought, and it turned out to be a massive play in the whole turnaround and the comeback and so on. But at the moment, the other team, Winnipeg's not going, okay, this is our chance. We got to get even for that. You know, that just doesn't happen, right? You know, in a on a hit like that, yeah, there's a marginal play. He shouldn't have done it and and it was worthy of the penalty. But then when you look at uh, you have a four one lead and all of a sudden just over three minutes later it's four four. Yes. Then you can point to that play and go, this is in all likelihood the reason why overtime went into the third overtime in game four and the Oilers only used basically nine forwards Jujar killed portions of the two penalties and then went down to 4D except for Bear getting one shift in that third overtime I I was surprised it was cut that much Kelly you know I talk you know I talked to a couple former players yesterday who you don't want to put their names on stuff but said yeah. Man, oh man, that that can be a trust killer if if your coach even won't put you out for a couple shifts in a game that goes on that long. What did you think of Tippett shortening the bench to the extent that he did? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm with you and those former players that said it's a trust killer. So uh, in that situation, and a coach never knows how long the game's going to go into overtime. So uh, I totally understand that aspect of it, but you've got to use more of your bench. There's just no question to me because. Uh, and we showed a bunch of clips in there, uh, I think, in the second inter- uh, overtime intermission about how exhausted uh, everybody was, including players on both teams. But there were so many turnovers in that second uh, overtime. Uh, you know, I, ju- I just felt that there should have been more use of more players from uh, on the bench for sure. Yeah. Kelly Rudy joining us tonight on Inside Sports as we break down the Oilers being swept away by the Winnipeg Jets and Kelly, the one thing that I was concerned about and trust me, I'm often wrong, but I think I might've got this one was, was the goaltending and not Mike Smith playing poorly. And he didn't, but just could Connor Hallibuck play incredible. And I think he did to me. It's no doubt. He's the MVP of the series. Uh, you know, the first two games, he's over a nine seventy save percentage. And then even in games three and four, he made all the saves that he needed to make, uh, at the right time i mean i the jets played well but i also don't want to overstate how they played either because i i still think the Oilers had a lot of great a chances and hellebuck was was there when they needed him yeah and i i think if you look at game three where the others had the 4-1 lead and uh there was 5-16 left in the third period when winnipeg tied the game and the oilers had i believe I think they're given credit for five shots on goal, but I, I believe it was more, in my opinion, uh, and uh, seven more in overtime. I thought the story of that game was the way Hellebuck played 
after giving up four, being down 4-1, and not checking out of the game. That, that's, that's a case study for young goalies about how you have to stay focused and, and you prepare. And uh, I talked about it on the broadcast. That, that, to me, is the most impressive thing because uh, when when it was 4-4, he became the best player on the ice for the Jets. And that, to me, tells you everything about how he prepares for a game, what he thinks of himself, the importance he puts on his play each and every night. I've been raving about this guy for the last number of years, mainly because of his attitude. And I just love his swagger. I love how he, he thinks he's the best in the league. And that may come across as, to some people, cocky. I don't think it is. I just think that's how... That's the belief system he has in himself, and I, I really like it because that is a lonely position, right? And if you if you uh, really start to doubt yourself and if you don't think you have that importance, you won't play at that level. Yep. Before I let you go, the other Canadian series, Leafs are in control. They're getting the goals. Montreal not getting much. Um you know, I think most people obviously uh, pick the Leafs, and, and I certainly did as well. But in my mind, Kelly, they're they're even more in control than I thought they would be. And oh, by the way, they're doing it without Tavares. Yeah, they're they're really playing really really well in all areas. Uh, they're not just they're not allowing Montreal to get to the front of the net whatsoever. Uh, and I'm not taking away from Jack Campbell because that's not fair because he has been really really that's been a really cool story to watch uh, all season long. And uh, but. You know, Montreal, I think you could see their faces. I think we showed it last night with, I think, only a few seconds gone in the third period, and there's no emotion on the Montreal bench. And, and you, you just can't play this game without emotion and belief. And if you, if you lose your belief at any point in a game, you're done. And I, I'm not saying Montreal has completely done that, but they're going to have to find a way to get that belief back because right now it's missing. All right, Kelly, we appreciate this, buddy. A lot to talk about, of course. Uh, too bad the Oilers aren't going on, but you and I will uh, touch on all the postseason stories as we move through here. Thanks a lot, man. Have a good show tonight. Yeah, thanks. My pleasure, Reed. Take care, bud. That is Kelly Rudy checking in, as he does every week, powered by Sentinel Storage. Shop Canadian, store Canadian, try four weeks free. Visit sentinelstorage.com. CA, if you uh, missed it before we got to that interview, the Penguins are out. The Islanders win the game 5-3. They win the series four games to two. The Golden Knights and the Wild are now underway. Game six of that series, Golden Knights up three games to two. Okay, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that coaching decision by Dave Tippett. We didn't really dive into that on yesterday's show, and I want to expand on that a little bit. You're welcome to check in, 780-496-0063. More from Ken Holland, who made extensive postseason comments today, all ahead on Inside Sports. Okay, good to have you tuning in tonight. Ken Holland speaking today, uh, did a uh, Zoom availability, answered questions from the media for a little over an hour, starting at 11 this morning. Then he was on Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, and uh, Stoff asked him this. You held on your first-round draft choice. Would you contemplate trading your first-round pick if you could get, hypothetically, uh, a left wing that could make an immediate impact that's, uh, that's uh, team-controlled? In other, in other words, under contract. Well, the, the, the obvious answer is yes. 
the re, the rea, the rea, the reality for me is I mean, you you start to, first off, the team that's doing that is probably doing that because they're they're either going into rebuild, so you got to look at rebuild teams. The player is probably an unrestricted player in a year. I mean, if the guy's got two or three years, who's trading a who's trading a, an established left winger that's 23 years old for a, for the 21st pick in the draft? Like they're they're they're, they're trading you they're, they're trading you if he's going to be a he's an unrestricted. So it's going to be somebody 27, 28, 29. He's got a year to go in his deal. They don't think they can re-sign him. They're going into rebuild mode. You know, you you start to it, it, it starts to get to be a smaller list and a smaller list and a smaller list and a smaller list and a smaller list. So so the answer is yes, but do I re- do I realistically think that something like that will be available? I don't. I don't. But I'm going to work the phones from you know from uh, usually usually what happens in the NHL right around when you get down to the final four, you know, 27, 28 teams are out. Then then the, then then the, the calls start coming around and and teams start they've had their pro scout meetings. They've talked to their coaches. They've they've done all their planning. So here in the next uh, you know about the middle of June, I'll start working the phones and I'll see what other managers are thinking to see if 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 something like that would be would would be available. So yeah, he'd trade the first rounder for a player under team control for a couple of years, but as he explained, uh, the uh, players under team control in the window of their career where the Oilers would want them often aren't available or often don't have more than a year left on their contract. So kind of explain that one. Like I said, holes to fill by the Oilers and probably the most difficult holes if you look at where they've come over the last few years. Okay, we'll uh, a little more from Holland. Talk a little bit about some of the decisions Dave Tippett made in the postseason as well. Phone lines are open, 780-496-0063. It's Inside Sports on Chet. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Nine minutes left in the first period. No score between the Golden Knights and the Wild. Minnesota trying to force game seven. Vegas trying to win the series. Three and a half minutes left in the second period. Lightning now up 2-0 on the Panthers. Maroon in the first period. Stamkos in the second period on the power play. So the Lightning have the lead as they look to win that series in six. That's what the Islanders have done. 5-3 win over the Penguins to take the series four games to two a uh, rough night for Tristan Jari in the Penguins net Brock Nelson with a couple of goals for the Islanders he's now up to three in the playoffs tomorrow it's going to be the Canadians and the Maple Leafs Toronto leading three games to one so they can win it on home ice and the Hurricanes after an overtime win yesterday will go into Nashville with a 3-2 series lead and try to finish that one off NBA playoffs tonight. Well, the Knicks have now pulled ahead of the Hawks after a big third quarter, 76-75. And the 76ers roll over Washington, 120-95 to go up 2-0 in that series. Grizzlies and Jazz, the Inside Sports featured series, will tip off game two in half an hour. Memphis up 1-0. Blue Jays, weather postponed. Play the Yankees tomorrow, doubleheader. And the Oilers farm team 
Bakersfield Condors will play the Henderson Silver Knights, the Vegas farm team. That'll start in about half an hour. It's the best of three Pacific Division final, and that'll do it for the AHL season as the Pacific Division was the only one to decide to go ahead with the playoffs. Hey, head to the contest page on 630Ched.com. We want you to golf with a friend at the championship caliber ranch golf and country club this summer. You can enter to win a pair of golf passes to the ranch. Go to the contest page on 630Ched.com. You can check in on the hotline presented by Certain Teed, professional grade building materials, 780-496-0063. Extensive comments made today by Oilers General Manager, President of Hockey Operations, Ken Hall. And you can get a summary on 630Ched.com or globalnews.ca. Stoffer had a one-on-one interview, so you can go to the Oilers Now show page to get that. We've been bringing you some of the key comments along the way. He talked about wanting to re-sign Mike Smith. He talked about looking to reach a deal with uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins where uh, maybe both sides are going to not quite get everything that they want. And Holland said maybe that's the best type of deal that you can get. Holland said that you got to add some experienced support players to help McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nurse, Larson, Nuge, guys like that. And uh, on on with Bob today, Holland also uh, was asked about how that core of uh, the young leaders on the team are also incredibly hard workers. And Bob asked Ken if that's a decent template. It's not a decent template. It is the template that you when your best players i was you know i again i you know in when i I am in my long time in detroit our best players were the most committed athletes off the ice that's what that's what connor leon and darnell do not only do they are they great players on the ice they're committed. They're in the gym every day. They're in the gym every day, all year long. You don't have to worry about, you know, if they go on a vacation, they're in the gym. They, 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 they plan their life around being the best that they can be. They make sacrifices to be the best that they can, they, they can be. And when you're a young player and you come to training camp and you watch us in training camp and you watch your players and then when the practice is over, these players go to the gym and they watch what they eat and they make decisions about being and then you eventually work your way from the draft table through bakersfield or from college or whatever you're you come on you're on the team and you watch them every day they are the role models for how to be how to lead your life as as a professional athlete on and off the ice they 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 they, they give you every ounce of what they got on an everyday basis it's, it's, it's a hard league. Some nights they're not at their best, but they're giving you everything they got. They've given you everything. And if they have, if they happen to have an off night, you know, they're bouncing back the next night. That's, that's what makes them, that's what makes them great is, is pride, determination, passion, commitment, sacrifice, and those intangibles, those, those ingredients are, are a part of whoever wins the Stanley Cup championship every year. All right, so that's uh, Ken Holland, and uh, I, you know, I think that that's become apparent that the McDavid, Nurse, Dreisaitl, especially, it's their team. They set the tone. They put in the work, and uh, you know, they, ob- they obviously were the leaders in terms of what happened on the ice this year as well. 1-2 in scoring. Nurse uh, had a really good season all around. We played you the Paul Maurice clip earlier about how impressed he was with Nurse playing 62 minutes in the triple overtime game. So those those pieces are in place but like i was talking about earlier the oilers are probably six players away 
from rounding out the roster and upgrading in other areas to actually moving up and being a top tier team in the NHL. I think they remain a good team, not a great team. The biggest area of progress for me over this past season was Jesse Pugliarvi is, is that he looked like an actual NHL player. You know, Dreisaitl said it in his final comments yesterday that he's, he's a first line player that he can contribute. So that's, that's one thing TikTok. I think they got one winger filled in that can play with, with the big guys. I think they're still looking for at least one other person there. Now, as, as that game went into overtime on Monday, both teams shortened the bench. The Oilers shortened it more. Ryan McLeod didn't play in overtime. Jujar Kara played a couple of penalty kill shifts as the Oilers took a penalty in the first OT and in the third OT shortly before the Jets scored. And Alex Chason didn't play. On defense, Ethan Bear didn't play except for one shift in the third overtime right before the goal was scored. He did have that giveaway up the middle uh, that led to the Jets tying goal in the third. And, uh, you know, I talked to somebody who yesterday who said that, uh, there were uh, there was a collection of errors on that play that led to the goal and, and Slater Cuckoo perhaps guilty of uh, sliding past a check as well and he didn't see the ice again. But it was still surprising to me that Tippett shortened the bench to the extent that he did. Now maybe he's thinking this is going to be a short overtime. I guess you can't coach banking on a third overtime. So if you're thinking, okay, if this one's coming in the first 10 minutes like the the previous two did, we got to get it so I can't fool around. I got to load up with my big guns. That's that's a defendable argument. But I also thought as it wore on, at some point you have to spell somebody off. And, and, and I want to tie this into the trust factor with players. And I know that these guys are pro athletes. They, they know it's a battle for ice time. They know their roles. Certainly no Oiler goes into a game thinking he's going to play as much as McDavid, Dreisaitl, or Nurse, or Barry, or Nugent Hopkins. But they also have their roles, and they believe that they can do those roles and be trusted in those roles. And I'm going to specifically relate this to Alex Chason. And of all of the people, he was, well, of the three forwards, I, I was the one most surprised was sat down. Now, I know the Oilers want speed. Chase on isn't fast. Fair enough. But it seemed to me as overtime went wore on, speed was less and less of a factor because you could see players were exhausted. There, there were a lot of guys blazing around and trying to pull off fancy rushes. It was a slogging game. Ryan McLeod's a rookie. Okay, understandable. He's going to be a part of the future. Uh, Jujar Kara, you know, obviously inconsistent player, had some good moments, had some tough moments. You, you did use him on the penalty kill. But I was just wondering, were there not opportunities, offensive zone face-offs where you start somebody else? You know, Alex Chason can go to the front of the net. He scored a goal in that game. He's one of the guys who can actually screen the goaltender. Is that not the type of goal you're looking for in overtime? So that's what surprised me about that, that decision. And look, they lost the series, so we're going to nitpick things. I'm guilty of doing that right now. I do not think Dave Tippett is a bad coach. M- many of the things that uh, me and others, you know, kind of questioned Tippett on earlier in the season paid off. He was patient with a lot of players. 
and they, they they turned their ears around. You know, he never took Tyson Berry off the power play. He never pulled Adam Larson out of the lineup. Those guys wound up having good seasons. But, hey, they lost the game. They lost the game in overtime where they needed one more shot, and I'm surprised at some point a fresh player wasn't inserted. So those three guys specifically, like I said, Ryan McLeod's a rookie. He's going to be part of the future of the team. Maybe he's your third or fourth line center. Okay, he got sat down. Alex Chason is an unrestricted free agent. I mean, to me, how, how does he possibly feel about coming back now? And I haven't spoken to him. I don't know. He didn't speak publicly, but I'm just kind of speculating here. How great can Alex Chason feel about playing for Dave Tippett when he wasn't used in that vital situation? And Jujar Kerr is a restricted free agent. Who knows? Maybe he's not going to be back. So... You know, Ethan Bear made a mistake. Okay, you get benched, but at some point you don't get put back in to overtime. Like, hey, credit to Darnell Nurse. Had a great season, and Paul Maurice, the opposing coach, complimented him. But your Slater Cuckoo sitting there, who I thought played decent. Okay, he's part of a goal against. He can't get a couple of shifts in a game that goes an extra two and a half periods almost. That that struck me as as a little odd. I Now, I understand why Tippett did it. Your season's on the line, but as, as you're going along, are you not thinking like, okay, this guy at least ha- might have some gas in the tank? No, the Jets did the same thing up front. They used 10 forwards. The Oilers basically used nine, so they used 10, but they used all 6D. And, you know, I, I just wonder what this means for how those players feel about being trusted. And I know you want to win, and I know everybody on the Oilers knows there are there's a short list of players on that team that gives you the best chance to win and score if they're on the ice. But when they're not on the ice, I mean, are, are you not kind of thinking seriously? I can't be spotted in every third time through the rotation. Like, I'm not going to get three shifts in an overtime period when I got fresher legs than everybody else. I, I thought that was a bit of an odd decision. I wonder if now that the coach kind of blatantly says, hey, I don't trust you to those players, um, if it affects them going forward. And as I mentioned, a couple of those guys are, are free agents, so maybe they're not going to be back anyway. But that's just something that struck me as uh, as the game wore on. And I've been thinking about it a bit over the last couple of days. You can check in at 780-496-0063. It is 746. It's Inside Sports on Chet. Vegas and Minnesota still scoreless final minute of the first period there. We'll get in a couple uh, dudes on the phone line before we wrap up tonight. 780-496-0063. Hugh is standing by. Hey, Hugh, go ahead. How's it going? Good. I, uh, I have a couple questions. You you you, uh, you sink all this time into these players, and then you staple them to the bench. And then let's not talk about the obvious elephant in the room there. Okay, I know he's a 150-point guy or whatever. Okay, McDavid, 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 great. But who was it that was coughing up the puck on all these goals? I've watched these games. I've watched McDavid play all season. And I'm a Flames fan. Sorry for your luck. So, I mean, I've been taking it all week before I come along. But 
let's not pick on McDavid for his defensive play. He's a captain, and he soaks more on the ice than Johnny Goudreau, and I watch him. So if I were you, I wouldn't be picking on the Gaetan Haas guys and these these poor kids that are trying. They're scraping together on a on a on a on a, on a mid league minimum, and they're paying McDavid and and McDrysaddle how much, and these guys can't play without each other. I, I'm sorry, man, but all those draft picks. You'd have been better off keeping Hall and Everly. Just my personal opinion. And going after a goalie like Carey Price or something who can save, who can run on two goals a game. Instead okay, of Hugh, thanks. All this yeah. Have a good day. Yeah, thanks for your perspective, Hugh. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We got Glenn on the line as well. Go ahead, Glenn. Hi, Hi uh, Glenn. Nice talk to you. Uh, I'd just like to talk about Josh Archibald for a sec. Uh, sure about the penalty you took in game three like i know with a bad penalty i understand that but you know what if it was a tripping penalty or a delay game penalty or a roughing penalty or all that stuff the guy made a mistake that's not he didn't cause the momentum to lose the game what he caused he took a bad penalty and everybody's like dumping on him and stuff like that he's one of our best players like you know, he made a mistake. Like, come on. Like, they scored on a power play. You know what? Stop them. That's all I've got to say. Like, I, I'm tired of this. And as far as Ethan Bear goes, like, Alberta, Edmonton, it should be a shame. That's all i got to say. Thanks. Bob. Yeah, well, I think I think it's a very, very few people, unfortunately, that were, were doing that. Archibald is a good player. Uh, I, I mean, I think that was a mistake in that moment. I do think it was an unnecessary penalty. Uh, I don't think that's dumping on him. I think that's just a, a look at the situation. But I do think he's a pretty good player and has a role on the Oilers for sure. Okay, I want to get something here on a little bit of a, a lighter note. Uh, talk to my buddy Jay Onright, Pride of Athabasca, on the Faceoff show on Monday. This was going into Game 4, so before the Oilers were swept, Jay was our fan of the night for Shield Foundation Repair. And uh, Jay had this to say about being an Oilers fan in the TSN newsroom. i got to be honest, it's excruciating working in this newsroom in Toronto right now because, as you know, the Oilers are down 3 nothing in the series. So um, as soon as I walk in the newsroom tonight, it'll be a lot of, well, I don't know, is Connor going to want to stick around any longer? Um, what's wrong with the Oilers? What's going on? Like, I'm the person who's going to fix everything. Like, I'm I'm the person. Because they all know I grew up an Oilers fan. They're all Leaf fans. Everything's going great for them. So, uh, so it's basically, I will not lie to you, Reed, it's an absolute. Like, if you think, uh, if Edmontonians get frustrated with um, watching TSN and seeing all that Toronto coverage, imagine working at the network as an Oilers fan and for, I'll give you a little example. Um, last night, uh, we we started off the show, and I'm trying to remember who we started off the show with. Uh, sorry, my my brain is like like fried. Oh, the Oilers, of course. So so we start with the Oilers, and then we have like sort of a board at the end of the highlights, and it talks about uh, the Jets' uh, fast, you know most impressive three-goal comeback or whatever. You know, we had a bunch of different historical ones. And all the notes that were written for me were about the Leafs 
and Columbus series last year. And I, I had to say to the guys, guys, the fans of Edmonton do not want these notes about the Leafs-Columbus series. If anything, they, they would like to hear as little about the Leafs in, as it pertains to Edmonton as possible. So whenever I, I get a script, it'll often say, like if Connor scores a goal, it'll often say something like, now he's just 12 back of Austin Matthews for the Rocket Richard Trophy. I'm like, why do we even need to put that in? Obviously, Austin Matthews is going to win the Rocket Richard Trophy. I don't think this is a stat that we need to have in here. But it always relates back to the Leafs. So um, I feel like this is a bit of a therapy session for me. I've been working for a um, but, uh, but yeah, to answer your original question, uh, yes, it, people know I'm a, a weather fan. And yes, it's a complete nightmare at this time. Okay, just wanted to get that on. Uh, the always entertaining Jay Onright joined me on the Faceoff show a couple of days ago. Okay, here's how the scoreboard looks right now. The Lightning up 2-0 on the Panthers after 2. And if the Lightning win, they win the series in 6. After the first period, no score between Vegas and Minnesota. Vegas trying to win the series, Wild trying to stay alive. And the Islanders move on with a 5-3 win over Pittsburgh. They take that series in 6 games. All right. We're back tomorrow, 6 to 8, with another edition of Inside Sports. It's going to be canned hams raining from the sky. Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2. Big thanks to Dave Campbell. He's the producer of the show. And big thanks to Kellen Kennedy. He's your studio producer this evening. Oh, and uh, we'll uh, remember to follow the Condors uh, along tonight if you're into the Oilers farm team. They're about to face off against the Henderson Silver Knights in a best-of-three series. My name's Reed. Thanks for listening. Have a great evening. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.